Hey there, it's Dr. Sophia Satterwhite, founder and CEO of She Heals the World. I'm so happy that you are tuning in to today's episode to hear the top lifestyle and business tips from women entrepreneurs all around the globe. If you found this show helpful, be sure to share it with a friend. That's how our community grows. Today's guest is coming up next. Hey everybody, welcome to the She Heals the World talk show. So today I have Alona joining us. I cannot stay off of her Instagram feed and hopefully her and I are gonna catch up for some dessert in the city pretty soon because she's right here local in the New York City area. Alona is a travel blogger and she is gonna talk to us about how to work with brands. She's gonna share her story as well as give us some tips on what it was like to get her first client and how she's doing and keeping things up in business today. Alona, welcome to the talk show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Totally. So why don't you tell us exactly what you do and how you got started with your work? Sure. So my name is Alona. Um, Like you said, I'm a travel writer and content creator, uh, podcast host, kind of all under the the travel and tourism umbrella. Uh, But my career actually started in finance. Uh, I graduated with a business and microeconomics degree. And I was working as a financial analyst straight out of university um, for the first four years of kind of like my career life. And I always wanted to travel, but I had a crazy schedule with timing. So I didn't have much time to travel, but I had the means to travel. Uh, So I decided that the best way for me to tackle this issue is to travel on weekends. So I started traveling to places like Europe and Asia and Central America literally for three to four days at a time. I would uh, take one or two days off, combine it with a weekend, uh, catch a red-eye flight and literally go as far in the world as I possibly can in that short period of time. And I didn't Mm -hmm. think I was doing anything out of the ordinary. I didn't necessarily know anyone else that was uh, in the same career path as me and and traveling uh, as often as I was. But many people started um, asking me questions and and kind of showing their interest in my itineraries because they just couldn't believe that I would go so far for such a short period of time. So this was maybe the first moment that I I saw an opportunity. um, And I created a blog really only because I got tired of answering everyone's questions because they were (laughs) so repetitive. So I was like, let me put this up on a website. The next time someone asks me, I just send them the link to my website. And a couple of months in and a couple of more trips in, um, Business Insider was in touch with me uh, because they thought that the way that I travel was perfect for the demographic of their readers, which are young professionals who have money to travel but don't have time. And they interviewed me and I really didn't think anything of it at the time either. But then the article went viral and my, my blog audience started taking off. My Instagram at the time started to grow my newsletter list. And I was like, oh, wow. It's like, okay, so... People are really interested in this. Mm. Um, and that's when I, I had my, like the first brand ever reached out to me, a hotel brand and invited me to stay at their property. And I didn't even know that this world exists. Like the fact that people are collaborating with hotels or working in the travel space and just, you know, writing on their blog and working with all these uh, incredible companies. I had no idea this exists. So with my like business acumen, I started tapping in Uh, to this world because I saw potential in it. Um, But I stayed at my job and I I continued working and saving money. And I basically, 
I, I already had the intention of resigning and seeing where I could take my blog and my social media. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that I had the financial buffer for it. Um, and then I, I finally resigned and I spent about three or four months just networking, perfecting my craft, uh, writing, learning photography, learning videography, and just figuring out the best way that I could be the best that I can um, in this industry. And it, and, and it worked. So what do you think it was about that initial post that went viral? Because there's a lot of travel bloggers and people who travel for leisure and um, kind of lifestyle folks in general who really have a hard time getting traction. What do you think it was about you that kind of made you blow up so fast and made that article really take take hold? That's a great question. So I think, first of all, this uh, the article came out in 2000 and 15, I believe, 15 or 16. So this is when uh, travel blogging was just, just, just starting to ramp up. Like the whole, the influencer space didn't really even exist in the travel space itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also, I was very young. So I was 23 when this, uh, when this article came out and I was traveling for basically right about a thousand dollars a long weekend, which taking every everything into account, which is, you know, international flights from New York, hotels, food, activities, entertainment, like everything included, was right about in that price range, which it's not to say that this is a budget trip uh, or a cheap getaway, but it is reasonable given the position that I was in and given the, the audience that this article was appealing to who could essentially like actually follow my footsteps. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's what really, like Business Insider really did a, a great job understanding what their core audience is. And their audience was the kind of audience that really can uh, look at me and be like, wow, I could go to Paris for four days and have an all-inclusive trip for right about $1,000. Like, I, I could do that, you know, and I could, I, could, I could follow her footsteps. So I think that was one of the things. There was definitely a lot of clickbait involved in that article. Um, of course, it, it caused a lot of commotion because there are many people that came out and said, well, this isn't cheap, you know, like uh, this is an expensive trip. Like what what makes this this girl special? So I think because of the controversy that this article brought, um, even more people clicked through on it. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like I, I did not think I was doing anything extraordinary, but uh, I guess it wasn't as common as as I thought that it might be. And um, many people since then have, have reached out, like many hundreds have said, you know, I, I tried a weekend trip and my life changed forever. Because wow. Americans in generally, like we, we don't have that much time off. So people take two vacations a year, right? Like uh, two, like one week on maybe Thanksgiving, one week on spring break. And that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but now there's this new world of, well, you could travel every, every month, every two months, you could take these weekend trips and you could go anywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's just a matter of like, what's appealing to you. It's not for everyone, but it mm-hmm. was for many people. Yeah, amazing. So how is your business funded today? You mentioned uh, what it was like getting your first deal and, you know, hotels and brands started reaching out to you. Is that still the same way that you kind of create revenue and have sustained your business over all of these years? I assume you're not in your nine to five anymore. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. And it's definitely so, man, diversification is the, the most important thing that you could do. And this goes for anything, right? Whether you're investing or, or whether you have a nine to five and you need like another supplemental income, um, diversification is key. So 
for me, like, yes, I, I had a brand reach out to me, but after that, it was all about me pitching, you know, like I would send five to like my, my largest week was me probably sending around five or 600 emails within mm -hmm. like a five day work period to every single brand that I had on my list that I wanted to potentially work with. And out of those 500, honestly, maybe like 50 would respond at the time. And out of those 50, 30 or 40 would say no, right? Or say mm -hmm. like reach back out to us, uh, you know, when our like budget starts again. But mm -hmm. those 10 that stayed were potential clients, you know? So that was one side of the business and pitching is still like, now I have many brands coming to me, but I still pitch on a weekly basis. Um, on top of that, on the blog, there's ad space, there's affiliate income, product placement ad, um, tourism marketing fees. I started my travel jewelry business. I tried to tap into uh, selling tangible goods. Now I'm looking more into um, selling online goods and services. So it, it, yeah, it really just every, you know, the industry changes so quickly that you have to adapt and you constantly come up with new ideas, you know, or you see someone else coming up with ideas and then you innovate on those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's really, it's really a combination. Yeah, I love that. You know, one thing that you said that I think is so important is you were so real about what it really takes to get traction and to get clients. I think so many people kind of, can sometimes lead one to believe that like, oh, if you just post, then like people will just notice and people will just start reaching out. And it's like, actually, yeah, that may happen and that may be a good side hustle, but if this is gonna be your full-time job, you have to reach out to people and let them know that you exist. You have to have some kind of proposal and explanation about what you do and how you can help them get, get the message out exactly. about their brand as well. And so, and that is, time and energy it's not something that you can just do you know five minutes at the end of the day it takes work I absolutely, absolutely love your transparency absolutely. with that and I and do have another question Alona about like the brands that um you reach out to and I have this question because sometimes I think some bloggers will reach out to partners or brands and just like a free hotel stay is enough or just um you know free products and that's kind of enough for them to um, feel like they're supporting their lifestyle. At what point did you realize that like it can't just be a free stay or or if maybe it is maybe that is how they compensate you. But I imagine that at some point there had to be like an actual compensation. And what was that shift like for you when you kind of started to think about strategically like how you price or how much income you need to generate to support your business? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um... I will start with, you know, first of all, you have to really figure out, like, what are your goals and what are your values and what value do you bring, right? So when it comes to goals, and I'm not, I, I don't mean goal setting for long term or short term, short term, it's really just understand, like, what do you need to sustain yourself, right? So mm -hmm. you must have, you must be able to, to place a number on it. And once you place a number on it, it's going to become very clear that having comps all the time or having product all the time is obviously not going to sustain you. However, with that said, when I first started traveling, so I was traveling on my own dime, right? So everything that I was posting, every hotel that I was reviewing, like I paid for everything, but I still got the content from it. And content is king, as they say, and consistency is queen. So mm -hmm. 
comps and free hotel stays and things like that work if you utilize those days to create the best content that you can to create like in this example to create reviews that people actually go to right or roi for these properties and people trust you right and and when people trust you then you have a loyal um potential client base for when you decide to monetize uh your business in different ways right so there are plenty of hotels and hotel companies that have budget but they have budget for big projects right so for if you're a professional photographer if you're a professional videographer if you have a really big following right if you bring a lot of value to the table otherwise for them it's easier to give you a free stay but then yeah. if you use that free stay to create fantastic content and then to have a loyal like a loyal following that follows you for that eventually you could maybe sell a course maybe sell an ebook maybe you'll teach people how to leave the 9 to 5 and become a travel blogger right or become a or a photographer or something like that so it's really just uh building an audience that you could then leverage and provide value to in the long run as well so i don't necessarily disagree with the sentiment of getting free stays or free product as long as you're using that to more of an advantage than just you know personal hobby or personal pleasure or personal entertainment should people expect compensation from the brands though on top of the free stay or do you think it's just standard for them to just be okay with the free stuff uh i i think it's uh one situational and two uh depending on the level of work that you put in like if you're coming there and you're busting your ass shooting content or if you're like offering to provide content to the brand to the to the hotel for example that will use it for their marketing purposes absolutely mm. you know, if it's your blood sweat and tears for work you should never be working for free but again this also comes down to the situation if it's a if it's a hotel brand that you want to build a relationship with and perhaps asking for money from the get go is not the best strategic move um because you would rather show them the type of work that you could put out over a series of stays and then you could say well look this is what i've done in the past these are the numbers that it yielded this is the potential roi that you got from my audience i would love to work with you on something bigger more serious uh you know a a, a more meaningful partnership yeah i love that these tips have been so helpful, Ilona. So I just want to ask you two more questions as we kind of get ready to close. I'd love to know if you have any specific hurdles that you had to overcome in the building process that you have kind of gotten through and what you have now to celebrate now that you have gotten over those challenges. You know, I'd say surprisingly the majority of the hurdles that I went through were mental. Like there were definitely things that have happened along the way where you know like a website crashes or uh the design was not perfect like things that essentially could be fixed but the hardest things to fix are the ones that happen in your head you know and I always think about how like children are so innocent you know and they'll tell you their opinions straight up uh because they're not worried about our external judgment right or how people will look at them from the side or how how their words uh, sound from the side but then you become older and you get judged once and then all of a sudden every decision that you make you're worried about oh well, what is, how is this going to look like right mm. and that was one of the biggest challenges um especially when you're first starting out and you're first growing and there's that and and i don't know why but there's that shame that comes or that embarrassment with 
asking people to follow you, for example, or to share your work if they like it, right? Especially like friends and family. And there's like a, almost like a stigma attached to entrepreneurs and young business owners who will quite literally be too embarrassed to ask their friends to share a link to their business, right? Or to share a link to their blog. And and I definitely went through that. And there's still like new projects that I launch now where I, I second guess myself, but I've learned over time uh, how to really take a step back and, and celebrate my wins. And that brings me to, to your next question. I think that's very important to overcoming mental hurdles is to be able to take a step back and to look at your entire journey, literally like to shut everyone off, like close yourself in a room, go on your your Facebook page, go through all your old pictures and go through all of those little wins, whatever they may be. Right. So yeah. for me, my biggest wins happen in my in my charity work. And I've um, I've combined my charity work with my with my travel work uh, a, a couple of years ago. And I was able to take a cancer survivor on a dream come true trip with me to the Maldives and UAE. So that was like the first big project where I felt fulfilled because I was able to bring the brands that I love together with my charity work and, and make someone's dream come true and kind of combine all of this together. And yeah. then last year I went to Haiti and I did a massive toy drive there for four communities um, that I basically planned and executed on my own. And also got brands that I've worked with and loved, like airlines, to work with me on this. So as soon as I go back to, to these situations and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I should not be embarrassed to put anything new out. Because if it's as successful as these projects have been, then that's another huge win for so many people, you know, not just myself. So I think that's, that's one of the best strategies um, to overcome mental hurdles, especially when you're doubting yourself if you could look back and give your 10 year younger self any piece of advice what would it be you know i, th I think this I, I would kind of piggyback off of what i just said and i would say it's all in your head and that's kind of the motto that i live by now i just i constantly remind myself that sometimes i i can't change the situation but i could absolutely change my perception of the situation um, and how I react to the situation and, and how my and control my emotions when it comes to the situation. And um, if I knew that earlier, I think that I, I could have been many, many steps ahead of, of where I am now. But I think it's very important for people to, to recognize that there are certain things that are within your direct level of influence and others that are not. And the ones that are not should not influence you. You know, uh, because you ultimately, you are ultimately in charge of the way that you react to things. And it's natural to feel a plethora of emotions. It's natural to cry. It's natural to sulk. It's natural to be angry. Uh, but it's also natural to be able to contain that in time, you know, as, as long as you are practicing your self-awareness and, and, you know, nourishing your mind day in and day out. Amazing. I completely agree. Thank you so much, Alona, for coming on the show. How can our audience find and support you? Thank you for having me. Um, I so on, on Instagram, I go by my name, Alona, at Alona, E-L-O-N-A. Uh, I also have a podcast, and it's called Talks with Alona. And my website is alonatheexplorer.com. Amazing. Alona, I can't wait to have you back. Talk Thank soon. you so much. I really appreciate your time.
To learn more about how to live your life by design, grab a freebie at shehillstheworld.com forward slash freebie.